put my computer, oh, my computer down, I forgot. That was great singing, folks. I love that. I wish I'd had it. I know this is being recorded from back there. I wish that we had recorded all you singing it from the front. You sing wonderfully. And that's a, isn't that a sturdy song? That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful song. Um, one thing that I want to, that I was thinking about as, as I reflected over lunch, um, about what I've said so far is, I don't want you to think that, oh great, we should all sing medieval, Latin, beautiful, polyphonic Palestrina. That's really wonderful stuff, but that's not practical for everybody. And I spent a lot of time, probably more than I meant to, talking about chant, not because I don't you think, oh great, we just have to sing Gregorian chant over, and that's all we can sing. No, I only brought that up as kind of a foundation because the chant is formative. And as we move into the Reformation hymnody, which we're going to do, uh, you're going to see that, it's, that they build upon that. So it was really maybe, a, maybe too long of a, or maybe not, a, a foundation for you. But don't think if you're thinking that, wow, that's so different than where we are. And that, that's, gee, that's what all he wants us to do. No, that was a, a foundation. Does that make sense? In case any of you were, oh my. But some of you may be like, oh, bring it on. That's great. As I, as I left you with uh, kind of a teaser as we wrapped up before, the issue with the beautiful polyphonic hymnody in Latin that we, we heard on that, on that last um, recording, is there's a problem. It's o- only professional choirs can sing it, and um, it's not in the people's native language. Now, if you're going to the Roman Mass, you know, you probably learn what some of those phrases are anyway. Sanctu Spiritu, okay, that's the Holy Spirit, right? You, you, you know that, but you're not going to instantly know everything that's being sung. So it, it keeps the people a bit removed. And remember, the, the Roman rites were being held not just in, in you know, languages, were, uh, in places where they would understand Latin. They were in all, all areas of the Roman church. So in Germany, right, and many other nations, they're not, the average person doesn't speak Latin. So the, whole, so the, the problem was getting the worship to the people. And that's what the Reformation is all about. Well, that's one of the things the Reformation is all about is not just Luther's justification by faith. Of course, there was a doctrinal reform. That's mostly what it was about, of course. But there was a liturgical reform and a worship reform to get uh, the worship back in the, in, in, in where the people could participate. And so we're going to see that. And I want you to start to feel like, and I know you already do after hearing you sing, if you felt a little bit, as, as we were ending the last session, like, wow, this is so far removed from, you know, what seems like what church music is today. Well, this is now going to be your music. You're going to start to see, oh, yeah, this is where the, the, the music of the church, this is where it became our music and what we sing. And, and you're going to get excited about it because, because it's good stuff, and you will. Obviously, the first reformer, um, well, not necessarily, there were pre-reformers, John Huss and William Tyndale and others, but the first and main reformer of note, of course, is Martin Luther, as a reform, as we know, it started in Germany. And he was uh, very interested in the priesthood of all believers, 1 Peter 2, 9, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you from darkness into light, right? We all believe that, the, the 
we believe in the priesthood of believers. So Luther wanted the people to be able to, to sing the song. So he wrote for, and he wrote for his uh, congregations many hymn texts, but not just the hymn texts like Ambrose and some of the other church fathers. He wrote the tunes too because Luther was actually a trained musician. He would have sung some of those complex polyphonic music that we heard. He was very much into the Latin uh, worship and he brought his musical training to bear as he wrote hymns. Of course, think somebody name me some of the hymns that you know that Martin Luther wrote. A Mighty Fortress, right? He wrote the text and the tune for that. He wrote many other hymns. He wrote, uh, I believe, the law, the law of God is good and wise. I'm not sure about that. We'll have to see. I have, I have a list. Um, but you, you can't underestimate what he brought by him writing those, those hymns and getting them in the language of the people. Um, it was transformational. It was reformational. How about that? Um, he had a very high view of music. Unlike some of the other reformers um, who were distrustful, like um, Calvin and especially Zwingli. Zwingli in, I think, Switzerland, right? Did not even allow music. There was no congregational music in Zwingli's churches. None. Because the fear, as you all know, music is so powerful as we talked and it's so formative, it can be abused. And instead of abusing it, the thought was, let's just not have it. Let's, let's play it safe, right? Kind of fencing the, right? Okay. Um, Martin Luther said, bring it on. He, he loved music. And interestingly, um, I would have to say as a result, the Lutheran church has some of the best church music, even to the point they have their own publishing house, Concordia Publishing House in St. Louis. They have colleges where they train, not just colleges to go, hey, I want to study geometry or French or something, but to study church music. They train church musicians. You can go be an organist. You can learn all this stuff, learn how to direct choirs, all at Lutheran colleges. So they, they've always believed in that. Mostly trace it back to Luther's high view of music. So keep that in mind. The Lutheran church has always nurtured its church musicians and, as a, and, and it, it caused their music to be glorious, complex, and fruitful. Um, let's, let's look at we can't not sing a mighty fortress. That's 336 and 338. Now this is the, this is the, uh, do you all sing, do you, do you all sing it, the 336 version usually? Do you do, or do you, You do that one? Okay. Uh, number? What number? Oh, the, oh. Choice C. Oh, this is what I... Oh, this is good. I, ah, nice. Thank you. I'm glad to know you have this. Give me just a second to... Uh, oh, you have Rise Again, You Lionhearted. Good, good, good. Ooh, this is exciting. You know what's nice about this one? Number one, and you all have this. This well-known book that you all write, you know, my, my, my new friend here. Number one in the, in the uh, supplement, not the Countess Christie. What's nice about this, this is more singable, <laughs> okay? 
So let's start with, do you all have that? We're going to do number one in the supplement. We'll start with that. Then we will do the other one because I want to make a point. So number one in the supplement. Got it? Okay, here we go. Sorry. Just one verse. nicely done very nicely done okay now turn to the other version which is Contus Christi 338 and then now I'm going to see what you mean by sometimes the things in the Contus Christi are a little difficult because that's the probably the easiest way to sing it that's the way that most Christians today are used to singing it it's kind of been squared off all right but that's not the original rhythm if you look at 336 this is actually the tune. Martin Luther did not write the harmony. He wrote the tune with this bouncy rhythm. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. Have you guys sung, sung that one or not? Not too much? You have? Okay, well, let's, let's try it then. Uh, I imagine we won't do necessarily parts right now. I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll give you an introdu uh, introduction. Here we go. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A helper he amid the flood, a mortal is prevailing. Down still our ancient foe doth see the workers from his craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Very good. I apologize that. I might have not played that exactly right, but you got through it with me. Okay, let's make a couple comments about that. Well, first of all, before you close it, too late, right? <laughs> I do that at choir practice, too. They've got their anthem put away, and it's like, well, actually, one more thing. Notice um, Martin Luther wrote the text that's on the right. On the left, who wrote the tune, obviously, Martin Luther. But notice later it was harmonized by Heinrich Schutz. We're going to talk about him. If you look down on, we're on page three, and you'll see under, under uh, Roman numeral five, letter D, number one, Heinrich Schutz came along later. He's 100 years after Luther, and this is taken from a Psalter called the Becker Psalter, all right? So just to kind of show you how things developed, the tune started in Luther's day, and then it was embellished with this harmony um, from uh, Heinrich Schuss, but we'll talk more about him later. I just thought I'd show you that while it's there. Okay, so that's uh, the beginning of the Lutheran tradition, and 
Martin Luther is using some of the chant melodies of, of the church that we had talked about earlier. Um, now, John Calvin came along, and he had a much, uh, much simpler view of, of, of music. And let me see if I can explain this a little bit. We are now in, in France and Geneva, French-speaking Geneva. So the Reformation, as it goes, is going into different, different, la- different areas and different lands. John Calvin, under his direction, put together probably what's the first Psalter. I don't know that, I may be wrong, but I'm not sure that the Lutherans produced a Psalter. I may be wrong, but I know that in the French-speaking Reformation, there was one produced. Uh, The first version, I believe, in 1551, and then the completed version in 1562. It would be it would be really hard to, underest- to overestimate. No, it would be very hard to, uh, yeah, it'd be hard to overestimate. It's easy to underestimate the, what that has done for church music. Uh, you might think, okay, some weird Psalter from the mid-1500s. It has really abstruse tunes like, have you ever heard this one? Right? I'm being kind of fun with you. The doxology. That was, uh, that's right out of the Genevan Psalter, okay? Um, and many other hymns that you don't think about. They may have been harmonized later, maybe by Bach or somebody, but they started in Geneva. So let's, let's look at some of those. Um, let's look at Psalm 134, which is in page 172 in your Contus Christi. Before I do that, I'm going to just check something because I want to be sure that we go through all my sound, sound bites. Uh, we'll get there. Okay, we got two. Okay, Psalm 134. This is the doxology tune, but it's got some different rhythms. Have you sung this one before? Come bless the Lord with one accord. Just watch out where the long notes and the short ones are. Okay, here we go. Come, bless the Lord with one accord, you faithful servants of the Lord, who stand his house to stand by night, and praise him there with all your might. Very good. The last line is the tricky one. People usually go bum, 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 because that's the way the doxology goes. But the actual original rhythm was the bum, 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 The thing about, <laughs> I was in a hurry, so I rushed through them there. Sorry. That's not the way it really goes. Um, what, some comments about this. What's amazing about the Genevan Psalter, first of all, it's, I believe, the first entire book of Psalms where every psalm, Every verse is made where the people can sing it. I mean, that's amazing. If, if we say, well, we should sing the songs because King David, they were the divinely inspired, authorized worship. Well, how can I sing them? They're in Hebrew. Well, no, they're not. They're in French for you French-speaking people in France and Switzerland. And they're to tunes that are singable. You, you may think these are kind of strange only because they're different to us, but they're actually very singable. Let me show you why. Unlike um, the more complicated, Complex, complex, that's complicated and complex. 
rhythms of later. Let's see, Heinrich Schutz, I believe, wrote uh, Psalm 45. My heart will tell a noble theme. The dotted rhythm. Or do you all know the hymn, While shepherds watch their flocks by night. Let me see if I get this right. Sometimes I go a long way to make a point, but if I've been pacing around my living room for two weeks thinking about how I was going to say this, you know I'm going to, I'm going to have to say it. So, yeah. You've got dotted rhythms where you note with a dot and then a 16th note. So it's like, While shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on. It's not the ground. No, those are even eighths. The ground. Angel of the nice and smooth. And it's not dotted anymore. And go, now it's dotted. Okay? So it's like, make up your mind. All right? Be dotted or be even. Does that make sense? You musicians will know what I'm talking about, right? Da, 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 versus da, 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 right? There's none of that. I'm not saying that's bad, by the way. I'm just pointing out it's a little more complicated. If you're sight reading that, that's probably going to be hard. But in Calvin's Geneva, everything had one of two note values, half note or quarter note, as I call them, long or short. So it's Long, short, 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 long, 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 rest. Long, short, 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 long, 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 rest. Long, short, 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 long, 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 get ready. Long, 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 short, short, long, long, long. Okay? Now, actually, I think that um, the Genevans were probably the first jazz church because uh, do you have, um, do you have, hear how the Lord on Sinai's mountain in here? I'm kind of, oh, yes, you do. 390. Some of these rhythms are because they weren't always on the beat. Da, da, da. They're kind of jazzy off beats. The longs came where you wouldn't expect them. So I, I kind of kid when I, if we do these in choir, I say, let's get a little more jazzy. But look at 390. This is a version of the Ten Commandments. Remember how I told you that the early church liked to set the creeds and be didactic? Well, here's an example of the Ten Commandments. No, on page 390, 390. Have you all sung this before? No? Okay. I'll, I'll sing it to you. Just listen. Hear how the Lord on Sinai's mountain addressed the people of his choice. With them his covenant he established. They in the thunder heard his voice. See how it's a little jazzy? See what I mean? It has a little bit of a, a little bit of a punch to it. This is a good one. If you want to have a little variety, this is a good way to sing the ten, you know, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. All right, just a little tip for y'all. Everybody, let's let's do uh, let's do a couple verses. Of this one. Here we go. Hear how the Lord on Sinai's mountain. Address the people of his choice. With them his covenant he established. They in the thunder heard his voice. I am the Lord your God and Savior, who out of bondage set you free, who brought you from the land of Egypt. Have then no other gods but me. That's not hard, is it? Remember when I said, how do we, or when someone asked the question, how do I learn this hard stuff? We'll start with easy ones like this. You're now singing out of the Genevan Psalter, 
which that not that that's oh we're singing out Gene. The point is you're you're using some of the historic music of the church. You're singing the Ten Commandments, God's word, and you are singing it in a nice sturdy fashion. We'll talk more about that how the music works. But it's nice and simple, and it's easy to sing in harmony, and everybody keep together. All right. So so Calvin's people were able to sing that. They were able to hum them in the fields. They became so common that the <laughs> Uh, the Roman church outlawed even the whistling of the psalm tunes because the French Huguenots, as they were called, the French Protestants, that they were being emboldened by the singing of the psalms. Um, let's look at, well, we'll do that in, in a minute. Um, let me make sure I didn't want to say anything else about Calvin. Oh, here's the one thing, though. What, what's different about hear how the Lord on Sinai's mountain addressed the people of his choice with them his covenant he established, they in the thunder heard his voice. How is that different than how the actual scripture reads if you were to read that part in Exodus 20? What's different? What did Calvin, what, what happened with the text? Metrical rhyme. They made it rhyme. Do you know what metered means? The meter, like the meter of how many, you know, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Da, 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 da. You all know that one, right? That's eight six eight six. Eight syllables, six eight six. That's the meter. The meter simply means what are the number of syllables? Okay. Well, to make everything be a repeatable, he's, he noticed he's not going. Oh, nation of Israel, hear how Yahweh came to you and said on Sinai's mountain, like a chant would be, and he finally goes to the cadence. He's not doing that. Everything has to go. It has to fit. So you have to do some things with the words. You have to sometimes add filler words. You have to make things rhyme. So that's why, even though I think these, these and this is what all modern, all, all hymnody does, all modern and ancient hymnody, once you make it in hymn, this is hymn style, if you will, four-part hymns. If you do that, you can teach that way, but you also want to have times where you can sing the actual more along with the scripture, and the contus helps you do both, and we'll see some more examples of that. So it was a move away, frankly, from the medieval church, and everything was the words of scripture in a chant fashion. It was designed to make it easier for the people to remember them and sing them. Um, the, ry the rhythms were simple, and it's the source of many hymns, like I talked about. His view of music was cautious, so he, he, he did not embrace instrumental worship all the, the, what we just sung would have been sung just in the melody da 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 na 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 no accompaniment no harmony no vocal harmony just just the melody like gregorian chant was the way it was done these genevan psalms uh, the way they were performed but they were harmonized and in private use so it was okay in calvin's day for them to be sung in harmony like i was playing them in private and a very uh, wonderful fellow named Claude Gudamel harmonized those. You'll see his name everywhere. In fact, are you still on that? Are you still on that one? Because Mother May, I didn't say you could close your book yet, right? F 390. Notice on the left, there, the source of the tune is from the Genevan Psalter. It was harmonized by Claude Gudamel in 1564. Here's a fellow who had so much time that he could take all the 150 psalms that were already in use in Geneva, those melodies, and he put harmonies to them, hymn-like harmonies, where every 
part is changing at the same time. Like in the hymn book, like what you were singing. Then, because he's such an overachiever, he reharmonized the Psalter again with different voices coming in at different times. It's very fun. Um, not for the common singing, but for, for, well, I don't know what it was for because they didn't have professional choirs, so maybe just for people to enjoy at home that were really wanting into it. And because, I hope I brought, I hope I brought them and didn't leave them. Uh, lap. I actually brought, uh, in case anybody wants to stay after and have fun with them, I brought some examples of the Gudamel, both the plain and the enhanced. If everybody wants to stick around and sing a couple little fun things if there's time. So if you want to nerd out on Gudamel polyphony, you come to the right place. I brought some choir stuff to share with you. So that's, that's the French tradition. We talked about the German Reformation, got, gave us the hymns of Martin Luther and many others that we'll talk about if we have time. Um, we then, the, the, as the Reformation expanded into France, we had the French tradition, the Genevan Psalter. It was so, um, <laughs> this is tricky. I don't want to make this a history lesson, but I kind of do, but I don't want you to just think, oh, this is nice. He's back to the museum. <laughs> We're touring the museum. I want it to be relevant. Well, what's relevant is you're sp I want you to sing these. I want you to sing this version of the Ten Commandments and the other psalms, which are sprinkled throughout. As you go through the psalm section of Conscious Christi, now you can start to notice on the left, oh, that's another Gudamel harmony. Oh, that's another Gudamel. He's done a lot of these, hasn't he? Yep, because Duck's a big Gudamel fan, and it's good music. This music spread to Holland, and the Holland reformers, um, they started singing these Genevan tunes. And they brought, when they came to America, mostly settling, there's a lot of Holland, uh, Dutch reformed in Michigan, as you know, Grand Rapids kind of the area. Um, Van this, Van that, everybody, right? Uh, that big Christian reformed church, which is the Dutch and the reformed church in America, CRC, RCA, those denominations, this is their heritage. Their psalters and their psalter hymnals um, are all, they, they are the Genevan psalters, at least heavily from that. Even into Canada, the Canadi Canadian Reformed Church also is largely from the Dutch background. And they produce for us, I don't have this in the notes, but there's a volume called The Book of Praise. Some of you may have seen it, we use it at Providence. It's all 150, it's the Genevan psalter translated into English. So we have the French Genevan psalter, the first one, it's gone through several translations in Holland. There's the Dutch Genevan Psalter, and there's now the English version of the Genevan Psalter. So these are well used and have been very foundational. You'll start to recognize some of these tunes in other hymns. So I think that's all that I want to say about um, the, the Genevan tunes. They're simple. The rhythm gives it a little bit extra punch. Hear how the Lord on Sinai's mountain. And we can em embrace and enjoy that rhythm. Um, then we, uh, things moved into Scotland, the Reformation. Now here we're talking about 100 years later, the Scottish Psalter. It's interesting, though. Calvin's music, because he had a more limited view, he was more cautious with the music. His music is simpler than, I don't know if you can tell or not, but um, what, what I just played for you is, is simpler than, than the Lutheran tunes and the, and the way that it developed later. The Calvinistic music doesn't really... Unlike the Lutheran tradition, which grows, culminating in J.S. Bach, who has very complicated music, the, the, the Calvinistic musical tradition stayed rather simple, other than like the Gudamel harmonies and things. And even in the Scottish Psalter, I'm not real familiar with it, but some of the tunes that I know from it, and I found one, was that, Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past? 
I'm thinking so. Let me just take a break here and look. Oh, no, it was, Dun it was Dundee. Did you find a tune, Dundee? And had my wife help me look for these. And which one was that? What? Dundee. Ah, now blessed be the Lord our God. 159. Here we go. Turn to 159. Props to my wife for helping me look up some of these. This is a version of Psalm 121 from the Scottish Psalter. It's very singable. Do you, have, you, have you sung this one before? Here we go. I to the hills will lift mine eyes From whence doth come mine aid My safety cometh from the Lord Who heaven and earth hath One more verse Thy foot he'll not let slide Nor will he slumber nor that sleeps Behold he that keeps Israel he slumbers not nor sleeps. Very good. If I'm not mistaken, and I, I may be, but I think the Scottish tradition is one that was heavily psalm-focused, especially at this time. So for them to make a Scottish Psalter, you know, these churches that believed in, that might be the difference. Calvin probably, <laughs> I should have done all the research beforehand, but I'm guessing Calvin's church was probably mostly exclusive psalmody. Maybe the Scottish, early Scottish reformers were too. I'm not positive of that. Obviously, the Lutherans weren't because they, he wrote all these hymns, all right? Martin Luther wrote hymns. But it would make sense then that, this, that the Genevans and the Scots would have psalters. If they believe in psalmody, either exclusively or preponderantly, that's why they have psalters and the Lutherans wouldn't because the Lutherans felt free to write other, other hymns, set the creed, set these other things. That's the point for next time I do these talks to find out whether... The Scots and the Genevans were exclusive psalmists or not. Anyway, that was a fairly singable tune, wasn't it? That's a good version of Psalm 121. My point is the music is simple because Calvin's view of music was simple. Who brought the Reformation to Scotland? John Knox. Who did John Knox learn from? Calvin. So my guess is with that simplicity view, that's why, in fact, some of the Scotch hymns and English hymns that came out of that tradition as it, as it went to, to England Scotland, if they came from the Calvinistic side rather than the English Anglican Church, which came out of the Catholic, the music's going to be simpler, and you'll see that. If for most, most and, and this is way getting way ahead, but as you look through hymns, if you, if you see that they're written by an Englishman or a, or a Scot, the hymns are typically more simple. Let me see if that's the case. I'm going to go out and let me see. Or 4,000 Tongues, number 315. I can, I can uh, take a chance with you guys right here. Oh, yeah. Charles Wesley, okay. This is not, um, yeah, arranged Lowell Mason. And I need, yeah, let's just sing this one. This is a lot simpler. Oh, 4,000 Tongues, just one verse. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Okay, on a scale of easy to hard, where would you place that one? Easy, okay? So if you want to 
do, learn stuff out of the Contras Christi that's not super hard, start with things like that. So in general, you're going to find that Lutheran German hymnody can get very complicated, culminating in the works of Bach, which is, we will see, real complicated. The Scottish, English, and American hymnody, because we're Presbyterians, come from Scotland into America. That's our, you know, kind of tradition. A little more musically simple. So the, there's hymns that will help you. They're still nice and sturdy, good texts and tunes, but simpler to sing, okay? A wealth of influences. It's very interesting how in different, just different mindsets about that. All right, now... Um, definitely don't want to talk too much about the Scottish. We're going to get into the later Lutheran composers and hymn writers. And I'll tell you, I'm partial to this period maybe as a musician because I respect the craft. I don't think, I really don't think you can excel or surpass the later Lutheran compositional craft. And I think I'm in, in good company in believing that. Their texts are amazing. Their uh, hymnody, and, and, and we're, you're going to see that. We start with Heinrich Schutz, who was the greatest Lutheran composer before Bach. We already did one of him, and I, f I forgot which one we, we, we sung out of. So I'm going to go to Psalm 45, which is number 80. It's the one I keep making fun of as being difficult. I'm not showing you this because this is real singable. <laughs> I'm showing you this to show what kind of a composer he was. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about, by the way, how, where, where's my time check? Um, Hmm? 12, ooh, wow, okay. We're going really to have to go here. Um, the, this, the story, this, the story of, of the Western church music, and by the way, I needed to say this too. When I, you all know what I mean by the Western church? I mean the branch of Christendom in a thousand when the, the church split into the Western Latin Roman Catholic, which then came into Protestant and Reform versus the Eastern Orthodox. Okay, I'm not talking about Western music like... Okay, I'm not talking about that kind of Western. I'm talking about Western Europe, Western civilization. That's why most of this music, when you see it, you're not going to see... When I, we looked at where these songs come from, you see Dutch and France and Germany and English. You're not going to see Ukrainian, um, Indian, Chinese. It's, just, it's Western civil, it's music of Western civilization. Still a lot of variety, but I should just point that out when I talk about Western music. I meant to mention that. So anyway, here, the story of Western music is it starts fairly simple, and then it grows. We've already seen how chant blossomed into the polyphony. Well, the church, you know, the, the simple hymns also blossom too. So the, the fairly simple hymns of Martin Luther. A hundred years later, thank you. This is, this is Heinrich Schutz, and... So sing this with me. This is a little more difficult, but go ahead. Here we go. My heart has found a ready theme, a song of sweet composing. My tongue up and to praise the King with praises never ending. Now it's going to get really fun. And you, the King, are more than fair than the sons of mortal men and grace your God is pouring here we go upon your mouth and on your lips you have been blessed forever you are the king and blessed forever rest amen 
you guys have sung this before, haven't you? There's no way you could. I commend you. This is really hard. This is one of the hardest ones. Because da 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 da. And it's not just the melody. Look at how the parts are all like on the second line. Look at the second line of sweet composing. See, has boom, bop, boom, bop, boom. The basses and the altos. If you were doing this as all parts, it, everything's happening at different times. That's pretty much as that's as complex as I've seen hymnody. Okay, so in just a hundred years, from Martin Luther, mid fifteen hundred, Lutheran hymnody to sixteen hundred, it's flourished and, and gone kind of nuts. Right? He's he's pulling out the stops and really glorifying it. Is my point? Building on the same. Same tunes and things, they're the same, the same text and within the tradition. Then, of course, oh boy, how can we talk about Bach in less than 12 minutes? <laughs> we can't. Then, of course, 100 years later, it flourishes into Johann Sebastian Bach. Let's look at O Sacred Head, which is 263. If we run out of time, we can come back, we can come Bach. Uh, 263. Oh boy, this is great. 262 and 263. Just one look at that page. You're like, oh my, who spilled all those notes? <laughs> look at that. <laughs> look at the one on the left. Okay, let's sing O Sacred Head. Sing it in parts if you can. Here we go. O Sacred Head, now Fully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. How art thou pale with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn? How does that visage languish, which mother's brow has mourned? Isn't that amazing? Can you hear the shift? I, I can't, I'm not doing it right, but I was trying to play the simple thing and then be more complicated and I just kind of fat-fingered it, but oh well. Something else. There's, let's look at, um, before we, the clock hits, let's look at Psalm 103, which is my soul now bless thy maker, and that is on page... 142. Now, the interesting thing about Bach, Bach wrote very few hymn tunes. He did not write the melodies like Luther did. He harmonized them and enhanced them and really is the full expression of the Reformed and the Lutheran, especially, view of music and what, where the direction was going. I'm going to have to say more about him after the break, but... Let's show you what he's done. This is, this, you all have it, my soul now bless thy maker. Okay, this was a tune from the mid-1500s. Schutz harmonized it in 1661, so 100 years later. We, just, we talked about Heinrich Schutz already. You're, you're on at 142, right? My soul now bless thy maker. Let all within me bless his name. Sorry, I didn't ask you to sing, so I didn't give you a cue, but thank you for doing that. Do you know this tune? Dun, dun. Are you ready for a cue? You, do you have the Bach, um, My Soul Now Blessed? Get, get ready for it. 
So here we have, you know, we start from Martin Luther who wrote just the melody. Somebody harmonized him in the early Lutheran pretty straight. Schutz, you know, made him a little more complicated. Then Bach went nuts with all the moving parts. And for choirs in his cantatas, he went even nutsier. And you'll hear the instrumentalists doing funny things. Keep this open. You're going to hear now a cantata setting of this. You can actually sing along with it if you want, but there's going to be pauses, so I get to direct you. This is, watch, I'll cut you off. You got it queued up? Okay, go ahead. Get ready. directed this at my church I actually hired a violinist and they messed up the cues and I did exactly that so welcome to my choir um, have a seat I know I'm probably am I over or how three minutes two minutes okay isn't that glorious I mean it's the it's this ancient I mean for all I know maybe it was a chant melody if it wasn't a chant melody it was a it was a melody that came up somewhere in the Lutheran Lutheran early Lutheran era Heinrich shoots, you know, harmonizes it one way, and then Bach says, out of my way, gets a whole orchestra going, and it's, he's like this architect. He's got all these layers going, all the different instruments, and then the vocals going in with it. There is just no, there's, there are not words to say what the genius of this man, and we'll say more about him, but the fact that he was a church musician. He did all this within the context of the church. He had schools. He trained people. He wasn't just some outside artist that happened to be brilliant like Mozart. He was a churchman. He represents the culmination of churched, trained musicianship. Now, not that we have to sing that. That'd be fun, but we can sing some of his simpler stuff, like O Sacred Head, right? And we're going to go sing some more maybe later, but this is, so now, this is kind of a good stopping point. We've seen what the Reformation has done musically, all to give the, the, the Word of God in musical form back to the people, 
that they can sing in and rejoice in in an incredibly rich format, and it's all right here for us, and we can learn it, and you guys are already doing it, even hard stuff. <laughs> Heinrich Schutz is harder than Bach, <laughs> so, so I commend you. Is this exciting? Is this amazing that this is ours? I mean, this is our treasure. This is the treasure of the church. It survives surviving down to us, so I think this is a really good place to stop. We might have more to say about Bach um, as we, as we uh, you know, go into the... Uh, the next era, but this was well worth the whole session of itself, the music of taking us out of the Latin church and bringing it to the music of the people along with the word of God. So thank you for your attention and your fantastic job in the uh, Springfield Cantata.